episode two of season two of Hitchhiker's Guide to Heaven, Hell, and Everything Else in Between. Written by Sue Lee Daniel Johnson. It is recorded and produced by Genesis 2112 Productions, copyright 2021. To listen to season one, search Hitchhiker's Guide to Heaven and Hell, complete season one on audible.com. The spitting room stopped, and the trio found themselves at the outskirts of a small town. Where the hell are we? Don't know, man. Maybe that gentleman over there can tell us. Which gentleman? The one over there, at that wall. About 500 feet in the distance was a slender man sitting down facing a stone wall. He was shaking his head. The trio headed towards him. Hey, you! The man continued to shake his head. Excuse me? The man looked over at them and squinted his eyes. Hey, you! You there! The man quickly got up and ran away from the wall. Excuse me, sir. We are not going to hurt you. We just want to ask you a question. The man abruptly stopped, turned, and faced the wall. Hey, man. Can you help us? We're, like, lost, you dig? The man started to run full speed towards the wall. The trio watched him in confusion. He continued to pick up speed and did a few jogs from left to right, then ran directly into the wall. The impact stopped him suddenly, and he was lifted off his feet, only to fall back onto the ground. The trio looked at each other confused. Can one of you explain to me why that man is trying to damage a perfectly good wall? Laura looked at Amy annoyed. What the f- What is that man doing? Don't know, man. Must be some badass. Amy, do something. Amy began to froth and steam. The man sat on the ground, shaking his head for a few moments. Then the trio walked up alongside him. Excuse me, sir. Would you like your latte cold or iced? Excuse me. The man slowly looked up and focused his eyes on Laura. Are you okay? The man looked at her confused. Are you okay? She said uncertainly. The man looked at her confused. It's just you run into that wall pretty hard. Maybe we should take you to a doctor. You may have a concussion. I am a doctor. Jefferson looked over at Laura and whispered, I'm not sure that dude is all there. Laura nodded. She turned to the man again and asked, It's just you ran into that wall pretty hard. What wall? The man got up and dusted off his pants. He turned and began walking away from the wall. Oh my god, he's going to do it again. She walked next to him. You're not going to do it again, are you? Do what? You know, run into that wall. What wall? One over there yawning, damn it! Jefferson said, pointing to the wall. The man looked over at the wall and squinted. I don't see it. You just ran into it a minute ago. The man looked at her, confused. Then he wound up, poised to run again. Wait! Don't do it! She turned to Theo and said, Theo, tell him to stop! No can do, man. 
That cat is tripping. Laura held onto the man's arm. Looking over at Jefferson, she said, Jefferson, do something. He's going to give himself a concussion. I ain't helping no crazy white dude. If you want to run into that wall, let him do it. The man yanked his arm free and yelled at Laura. Let me go. He ran straight at the wall again. Laura turned to Theo. We must do something, Theo. Theo reached into his pocket and pulled out a joint. He lit it up and took a toke. Then he passed it to Laura. Theo, what are you doing? She knocked the joint to the ground. I'm trying to get into the same headspace as that cat, you dig? He reached into his pocket and pulled out another joint. I think maybe I can help. Laura looked at him hopefully. I have been reading this book on human psychology. Let me try and talk to him. Laura looked at him uncertainly. A hatch opened up on Amy's side. A vacuum hose with a metal claw on it floated out. He put it on the man's shoulder. How are you doing, defective carbon unit? Do not be alarmed. I have extensive training in the psychology of carbon units such as yourself. I have a nuclear power plant with a half-life of 3,367.7 years. I have a complete database on all organic and non-organic life, including the mating habits of the blue-tailed spotted grouse. The man looked at him confused. Let me do a quick troubleshooting of all your components. The man squinted and looked at him. Let me begin by checking out all your systems and subsystems. Move your right arm, please. The man stared at him, then turned his face to the wall. After a moment, he ran straight at the wall again. A tall woman, wearing a cowboy hat, was now walking towards them from the town. She walked by the man as he crashed into the wall again. The woman didn't seem to notice. Howdy. How y'all doing? Laura looked at her stunned. Hello. She said, irritated. I'm talking to y'all. Laura looked at her a moment, then seemed to snap out of a dream. Uh, hi, I mean, uh, hello. Uh, are you... Do you know why that man is running into that wall all the time? The woman looked over at the man a moment. She turned to Laura. Oh, y'all mean Glenn? Don't fret yourself about him. He's a conspiracy theorist, you know. He done believes that there ain't no wall there. He done believes it. It's all just an illusion created by a secret religious society called the Illuminati. He done thinks they put it there as a tool to exercise mind control over the human race so they can take over their minds, you know, and recondition them to contain nothing but old reruns of the Beverly Hillbillies. Laura looked at her stunned. You know that old 70s sitcom, what they make the hillbillies out as to be dumb hicks with stupid accents and bad clothes? Laura continued to stare at her dumbfounded. The way he figures it is that if he gives him to the idea there is a, a wall in front of him, He'll lose his mind, and he'll be damned for eternity in hell. Jefferson stepped forward. Damn it! Ain't you already in hell? 
There was an awkward silence as the group looked at each other. This was broken up by the sound of the man crashing into the wall again. We have to stop him. What's wrong with that boy? He's a conspiracy theorist and an extremist. Ain't no way you're ever going to get him to change. And ain't no way you're ever going to get him to stop. Why? He thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks all of us is crazy. How do you ever got a damn fool notion like that? Facebook. What? What do you mean? They have Facebook in hell. They have Facebook everywhere, man. That's right. That's where I get all my real news. News? What news? The real news, not the fake news. Government wants us to read, telling us God-fearing folks that we're all in hell and such. Telling us that science is real and not a conspiracy created by left-wing radicals to control our lives and turn us into a bunch of pinko communists. Theo looked at Laura. I think we're in trouble, man. Laura looked at the woman, trying to decide what to say next. She began to speak cautiously. Hello, she said, extending her hand. My name is Laura. Cosby extended her hand and said, Well, howdy. My name's Cosby, and y'all looks like a bunch of fine God-fearing folk. Think I'll bring you into town to meet my kin. These all good hometown folks who reads the Bibles, fears God. Not like them damn pinko faggot left-wing curiliums. So, do you think we're not in hell, then? Cosby slapped her side and started to laugh. Ah, Lori, you're a load of laughs. I, I like that. I think you and I will get along real swell. My pa says I'm a jokester, too. Come on, let's go get some beans and biscuits. The trio followed her into town. There were several large homes interspersed on the long, empty streets. As they walked along, there started to be more houses closer together. They were mostly one-stories made of wood or vinyl siding. Most of them were white and had large front lawns with low picket fences. After a few more minutes, Cosby stopped abruptly. Oh my lord, I was supposed to call my sister. She slapped her pocket and then shouted. My god, I done forgot my cell phone. Theo reached into his pocket and pulled out his cell phone. He handed it over to her. She looked at him, and a look of alarm came to her face. She abruptly slapped it out of his hand and then to the ground. She began stomping on it. It flew apart into many pieces. Theo stood in silence, staring at the pieces of the phone on the ground. What are you doing? I might be bugged. What do you mean? You know, the Atlanteans may be listening in. You know, the space beings that are now in spirit form? You know, after they were dropped out of their spaceships into the volcanoes, now they float round in the air, waiting to take over bodies. They get to know us through our cell phones, you know? Cell phones? That's right. Jefferson shook his head. 
What kind of bullshit is that? It's true. Anyone who has a cell phone knows that. Jefferson lifted up his cell phone and smirked. Cosby looked at him suspiciously. Where'd you get that? Does it work? Of course the damn thing works. Why the hell would I carry around a broken cell phone? Cosby smirked. Just what are you up to? Are you some damn racist whitey? I'm no racist. I treat all you niggas real good. Jefferson's face flushed and he moved towards her. Laura quickly stepped between them. Take it easy, Jefferson. I'm sure what Cosby meant to say was that she treats everyone with respect. She turned to Cosby. Isn't that right, Cosby? It sure enough is. She turned to Jefferson. Don't you worry, none now. Here we treat all our niggers real good. Don't you use that condescending tone with me. Look, can't we all just get along? Cosby and Jefferson looked at each other for a few moments. My sister's house is over there. She has one of those new secure lines we can use us to call her. Cosby walked up to a house. She picked up a tin can off the porch. It had a string attached to it. She put it to her mouth and spoke into it. Oh, hey, sis. The woman walked up to the window. She picked up the can next to the window and raised it to her ear. Oh, hey, that. It's Cosby here. The woman inside moved the can to her mouth. Hey, Cosby. How y'all doing? I'm just peachy. I have a message for you. Cosby paused a moment. Where we go one, we go all. Cosby put the can and stepped off the porch. Laura turned to her. That's it? Oh, yep. That's your secret message. Oh, yep. Let's all go to the town hall now. Why we're going to the town hall? Well, to get away from fake news. You did say you wanted to know where we are. You mean you don't know where we are, damn it? It's not that simple. How long have you been living here? Well, my whole life, I reckon. If you've been here your whole life, don't you know what this place is? It's because of all the fake news. You know, the lies those left-wing pinker communists are spreading. Did it ever occur to you to check a paper or a radio? Or maybe look at something other than YouTube videos of cats flushing toilets? Oh, I never do that. There's too much fake news out there. What about the rest of the internet, man? They is the worst. Where do you get your news from, then? Facebook. Facebook. Shit. All that has gossip and old recipes for cornbread and shit. Are you sure that's the best place to go for news? Anybody can say anything they want. Show enough is, on Facebook, I can get the real news straight from my kin and ex-reality TV stars. That's how I know, even though it doesn't look like it, we are actually on a big old cruise ship heading for Aruba. Far out, man. That's how I know the left-wing media is controlled by Satan. Satan-worshipping pedophiles 
who drink blood to maintain their figure and spread evil lies like guns actually kill people and wearing masks help stop the spread of infections? Where the hell did you get a hold of all that bullshit? Sister, we are in hell. No, we ain't. Cosby, I know I didn't want to believe it myself either, but we are in hell. I saw the demons and the fires for myself. Fake news and mind control is all that it is. Come with me to the town hall and you'll see the real news. If we were early, maybe we'll get a free roll of paper towels. Laura motioned to Theo. This is Theo. He's, well, he's a demon. He was born in hell. Theo, tell her. Right, man. We're all in hell in some ways, you dig. But we can't be in heaven if we want to, man. It's all in the state of your mind, you dig. Theo, you're not helping. Cosby, look over at Theo. He's a demon. Can't you see him in front of you? She looked over at Theo. I'll have to ask my pastor. What do you mean? Can't you see him standing in front of you, damn it? I'm not sure. How can't you be sure? He's right in front of you. Do you want to touch him? I better check with my pastor first. It may be against the will of God, like it says in Deuteronomy 10.6. There Aaron died and was buried, and Elzenar, his son, succeeded him as a priest. What the hell is that supposed to mean? I'm not sure. Cosby, why do you need to check with your pastor to know if Theo is standing in front of you? It's because of all the fake news. In fake science, there is a conspiracy created by the left-wing media to hide the truth. Truth? What truth? That the Corellum are in league with Satan himself. And it's their goal to destroy everything us decent town flock holds dear. Who are the Corellum? The Corellum are the left-wing devils who are trying to steal this election from us. Decent God-fearing Ruprum. The blessed party of truth and goodness. On elections like no other, elections at our very souls, at the very souls of our God-fearing folk. You make this thing sound like it's the most important thing in the world. How long has this election been going on for? Well, some says since the dawn of time. Dawn of time? Do you really believe that? I don't know. But it's been going on for as long as I can remember. That makes no sense. How can an election take that long? Don't they count the votes at some point? Heck yes. We've done that thousands of times. Well? They keep doing recounts because of all the corruption. Corruption? That's right. There is using every trick in the book. That's why every time we call for a recount, Every time. That doesn't make any sense. Someone has to win. That's right. And that someone needs to be us. You have been listening to episode two 
of Season 2 of Hitchhiker's Guide to Heaven, Hell, and Everything Else in Between. Check out Episode 3 to follow Laura, Ryan, and Theo as they travel through the back streets of hell and meet demons, gods, demigods, celebrities, and all other manner of beings. Written by Su Lee Daniel Johnson. It is recorded and produced by Genesis 2112 Productions, copyright 2021. To listen to Season 1, search Hitchhiker's Guide to Heaven and Hell, complete Season 1, on audible.com. The following is a sample. Young magic in the supernatural world. Teenage witches and wizards coming of age. Written by Daniel Johnson. Narrated by Rachel Cheeseman. Ravi followed the group a few paces behind, uncertainly. After a few moments, he said, We should go back. He looked at Anna. She stood silent and expressionless. I'm sorry for getting you all into this. Getting us all into this? Demond said. You didn't get us into anything. We all decided to do this. There's no boss. We aren't the bad guys. That wizard or warlock is, if we can ever find him. The group paused and stood around, making a small circle. Nothing has changed, Demond said, looking at each of them. We still need to find this bastard. He looked at Ravi. We just messed up, he said. He shifted his gaze to Anna. We made a mistake is all. He scanned the rest of the group. We need to move on. We'll be more careful is all. He took a step forward and looked back. Come on, he said. The group followed him and they walked down the corridor in silence. Ravi soon caught up and stood next to him. He examined Demont through the corner of his eyes as they walked. He wanted to say he was sorry, but he didn't know how. He felt good to have Demond as a friend. He felt good to have all of them as his friends. He made a secret pact with himself. He would always have their backs. He would protect them from everything, up until his last breath. The tunnel now opened up into a larger room. It seemed to be dimly lit by some unknown iridescence. The walls were lined with an assortment of large clay urns. They varied in size and shape. Some looked extremely old, showing signs of decay. At the far end of the room was a large table, made of very weathered grey wood. It was covered with vials, test tubes and other types of lab equipment. Large and ancient books were stacked on the far wall. One large leather-bound book lay open on the table. The group walked up to it. Ravi tried to read the book, but it was in some language he didn't know. Broken clay fragments covered the floor near the table, as well as grey sand. There was a smell of dust and decay. An old man in a black robe walked in from an adjoining room. He was very thin and tall. His skin was grey and decayed. He had large and expressionless eyes. He lifted his hand and blew some dust into the air. He mumbled some words and the dust began to swirl in a mini-cyclone. It picked up speed and grew denser. Somehow it seemed to grow in size. Ravi took a step back and prepared himself. May took out her fighting staff. Demond picked up his sticks. Anna held out a small sword. The cyclone began to slow down, and then the dust dropped to the ground. They could now see a mummy, all bandaged, standing in front of them. Its bandages were ancient and decayed. 
An overbearing smell of rot and decay emanated from it. It let out a long, low moan. It raised its arms slowly and began to walk towards the group. Demond reached into his pocket and pulled out a lighter. He looked around the room for something to burn. May reached into her bag and pulled out the white rock about the size of her palm. She threw it to Demond and he caught it but stared at it blankly. There was wax on one end of it. Light it, she said. Demond struck the lighter and held the flame to the waxed end of the stone. It slowly melted and then shot out a jet of white flame. It's phosphorus, she said. Demond quickly threw it at the mummy. The fiend instantly burst into flames and ran, flailing its arms. The dark man lifted his hands again and blew some dust into the air. It turned into a small cyclone. He wriggled his fingers a few times and blew more dust into the air. This turned into another small cyclone. He continued to do this several times in succession and created several more cyclones. They spun very quickly and seemed to be shooting off dust. After they got up to full speed, they were generating a lot of wind. This began pushing back against the kids. One of the cyclones burst into a violent light. Out of the light came an ape-like beast covered with dark hair. The cyclone next to the beast stopped as well, and out of the dust came another mummy. The third one turned into a thin, ghoulish type of beast. The fourth one turned into some sort of large rodent. Ravi raised his hand and shouted some kind of command, and shot out his arm towards the rodent beast. A white ball of electricity shot out towards the rodent. It struck it in the midsection and the rat wailed. You have been listening to... Young Magic in the Supernatural World Teenage Witches and Wizards Coming of Age Written by Daniel Johnson Narrated by Rachel Cheeseman To find more audiobooks produced by Genesis 2112 Productions, search Suli Daniel Johnson on Audible or most other audiobook services. In order to read more books written by Suli Daniel Johnson, search Suli Daniel Johnson on Kindle or go to genesis2112.com.